Welcome back to the show, guys. We have an awesome chat today. This is the this is a recording of the Twitter Spaces where we discuss the launch of Pair Runtime, which happened on Valentine's Day. I guess it would be two days ago uh, at the time of this recording. What this all means. We bring Paolo Arduino, Matthias Boos, uh, David Marklem, Samson Mao, and Giacomo Zucco. Uh, all to discuss the implications of this. We dig into what this could mean for the future of application development, how this enables an app ecosystem without any infrastructure costs, the impact that this could have on the tech industry, how it could disrupt monetization models, how this could be used in gaming, in journalism, in social media, etc. The control that it shifts back to the user and away from central servers, and why this is a huge moment for a peer-to-peer future. A huge thank you to Swan Bitcoin and CoinKite for supporting this show, and let's get into today's chat. The launch of Pair Runtime, the second coming of the peer-to-peer web. Beautiful. Welcome, everybody. How many we got? We got we got people streaming in here. So this is the pair runtime launch Twitter Spaces, and we have got the crew behind this. I know a lot of you probably already know about Keat and uh, the chat app that is just kind of kind of proving the case, like what the crazy things that you can actually do with this. And um, uh, so we're going to go ahead and so Keat has just hit beta recently and pair runtime, the the engine, so to speak, underneath all of this has launched yesterday. Um, and I'm already like, like, it's already buzzing with the little developer group that we have and the guy that I'm working with. Like, I'm really stoked to get into this conversation to talk about what this means, what this is. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions. We will try to get to that towards the end of this um and uh, on that note and i'll remind you when we get to that point uh try to keep questions like succinct just so that we can get through a bunch of them um try not to have a two-minute question if you can narrow it down to 20 seconds (laughs) um but uh, i want to go ahead and just start off with introductions um let's go uh paolo first um uh how are you related to this? Who are you? For anybody who doesn't know, what is up, left? Hey, hey, everyone. So I'm, uh, yes, I'm Paolo Arduino. I'm the CEO at Tether, CTO at BitConnect, and CSO at Volfunch. Um, How I'm related to this, uh, Matthias, myself, have been working together um, for the last several years, I think five years, five to six years ago on uh, peer-to-peer stuff, right? At Bitfinex, I um, always trying to use as much as much uh, peer-to-peer stuff as possible. Um, I started using some libraries many, many years ago for some internal project at Bitfinex um, that uh, Matthias was contributing to. Uh, we have been both contributing a lot to open source projects. Um, uh, Matthias uh, has set him self as uh, uh, one of the best people in this in the peer-to-peer development space so we we start to really um, tinkering together um, thinking about what we could actually build with the awesomeness that we had 
in our hands um, and was again uh, long feels like now ages ago um, and uh, we went through several challenges uh, a lot of uh, lot of uh, you know um, uh, you know closeted uh, development because uh, you know the old days came public when part of course parent time came public yesterday but uh, uh, Keith came public basically one year and a half ago, but uh, for for many many years we've worked together in in trying to envision this future uh, of uh, of peer to peer development, peer to peer apps that could compete in a in a realistic way. Because you know sometimes when you think about peer to peer, you say, well, you know the user experience sucks. It's not at par with centralized apps. No, we wanted to create. A, a, a playground and uh, and uh, and a fertile ground for for future peer-to-peer -peer apps that would overtake um, Web2, the um, the colossuses of, of uh, the Web2 space. It, it, it took a ton of energy, and uh, and uh, you know the, this the, it, it culminated with the, the yesterday's launch of Pair Runtime. So uh, I'm here, you know, as you know, as CSO of Hole Punch and also CSO, CEO at uh, Tether saying that, you know, to me, this is like one of the most important projects that, uh, you know, at, at Tether we are supporting and we co-founded because we really believe that there is a, there's going to be a mass liberation in, um, in, the, in, the, in the internet, in the internet world. Uh, it will be a mass liberation of developers that finally all united or and all, all acting as peers can, can work to take down the centralization of the web. So this is just uh, as, it's a huge spark, but uh, will be an enormous... Oh, we lost you there. Yeah, because we are using Twitter and not, uh, not peers.com. That's exactly right. That's the, that was the problem. Yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is cutting me out. I'm sure of it. As soon as you start talking bad about pl the platforms, you know it'll happen. <laughs> well, at least yes, the, at least yes. the goals aren't very lofty, you know, like destroying Web two and replacing all of the major platforms. At, at least at least we're being humble about what what you want to accomplish, right? We like to make friends, you know. Um, you know, Tether is known to to not being um, controversial in the way it approaches projects, but. Uh, you know, and uh, you can see that in really, I mean, the whole punch is, is really the, the culmination uh, of, uh, of, uh, of this on the tech side, right? Because on the tether side, we do it with stable coins and, uh, you know, we have a ton of new ideas around that. But, you know, the on the tech side, there is nothing bigger than we could think than, uh, than, uh, than uh, the pairs movement and, and uh, you know, the whole punch technology. Nice, nice. Uh, well, since we mentioned Matthias here, let's let's go over to him. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about how the origins of this project? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Hey, everybody. Um, I hope my headset is fine. Um, well, I'm Matthias. I'm the CEO at Hope Punch, and uh, uh, I only have one C title. Unlike Paolo, maybe I'll get more in the future. That's uh, I don't know how he gets the time. That's impressive. Um, but yeah, it's been a journey. Like um, like like Paolo mentioned, this is the culmination of five, seven years of work for us. 
all culminated yesterday with with yesterday's launch. Uh, we've been this is like our the amount of things we launched yesterday. If we got into it, would be you know a day long space. Um, it's, it's so much super exciting technology, all from the simplicity of the command line tools we launched that allows you to put a couple commands, build insane apps that ships everywhere and run everywhere, all with the technology um, that we have battle tested and using uh, for many years, all with the same things that's running on Keyt, uh, allowing you to really build professional um, production apps that are not just like necessarily fun projects, but actually big projects like Keith, that is, you know, apps that have a business and uh, run by a company and uh, can be the scale you want. That's so exciting for me to finally be at the culmination of that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I was telling the guys yesterday, uh, sorry, today that yesterday was the first time I slept really well in a very long time. Because uh, just because um, obviously it's been a lot of work. Um, I'm at the lucky position of I can redirect a lot of that work to very very smart people. Uh, but um, we clicked the button yesterday. We launched it and it went freaking smoothly. Uh, and uh, it's amazing. And I woke up today uh, to uh, check my key as I do every day. Uh, and uh, we have a very cool pair community channel in there. That's, that's, there's an invite linked from the pairs.com uh, in the docs. You should definitely join that one if you're, if you're listening in. But I woke up to, I think, 250 messages from people just building on day one uh, with all our janky docs, I'm sure, and just people just, uh, you know, figuring it out because it's all stuff you can just figure out. That was, you know, that was incredible. Uh, and that's day one. And uh, it's just it's just getting better from there. And, you know, we're already planning out the next thing we're shipping. And we're already planning out how to 10x this thing um, in the next, uh, this year. Um, so so um, I couldn't have asked for anything better. And, um, and also just reflecting on how we got here and, and, and the team and, and, uh, and uh, the partners and uh, Paolo's help and work and, uh, the marketing teams and all the all, everything when you work in the you know all punch tether family is just extremely committed people that only have one mission and that's to disrupt and, and do big things and that's that's um, an incredibly intoxicating environment to be in uh, so so um, uh, yeah that's um, incredibly exciting and and um, and so happy to to be here today. hell yeah hell yeah and david made it just in time uh, Dave, uh, uh, now that you've discovered right. the stupidity of <laughs> mobile only for Twitter spaces, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, man? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was here. I was just, uh, not speaking yet, but, uh, I am, I am just in time a speaker. Uh, my name's Dave, uh, Bill Pear with, uh, Hole Punch, Mafintosh, everyone, uh, really, uh, happy that you guys are, uh, digging it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Short and sweet. Love it. Um, and let's do, uh, let's jump to pal, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Samson. Sure. Um, I'm Samson Mo. I am the CEO at Gen3, a Bitcoin tech company. I'm also the CEO at Pixelmatic, which is the developer behind Infinite Fleet, an MMO game. 
And I'm very excited about pair runtime launch and all the things that it can enable in multiple spaces, but probably particularly for games. Oh, interesting. That's new. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Um, uh, Giacomo, what is up, man? Last speaker. Hey, everybody. Hi. I work with Paolo and I see here Oleg and other people on the Plumby network, which is a new educational initiative that we started uh, last fall. And uh, actually, even uh, before working closely with Paolo and understanding more what uh, Peers.com is, I had some sneak peek. I remember the first time I was uh, watching the the peer, the, the fruit symbols was on T-shirts in Lugano, Plumby Forum, uh, more than one year ago. Uh, I didn't know what that was, actually. We just made uh, some jokes uh, on the female version of the T-shirt, uh, but we, it was not very clear what was the what was the content. Then in the um, uh, Lighting Network uh, uh, Developer School in Viareggio, we had somebody from Synonym, I see John also here, explaining us some feature of Hypercore and some of the stack correlated to kids. So, so that started to catch my interest. And recently, we I started to look into that uh, more closely, and I'm very happy and uh, eager to also integrate what we are doing with Plumbing Network with the technology uh, behind uh, behind Kit uh, with uh, Pierce uh, and uh, with the whole uh, whole punch stack. So we will we will try to use it as much as possible to replace the centralized services that we are not using for uh, uh, lectures and uh, e-learning. Like instead of using the same old stuff like uh, uh, Jitsi, we we will try or uh, or old ways to do login and authentication. We will try to integrate as much as possible this new technology. Actually, my interest in this kind of stuff is not uh, recent. Is it's a lot of it's many, many years that I was watching the Bitcoin adjacent kind of freedom tech developing also in peer-to-peer -peer communication and encryption. I was uh, I was following the development of uh, metrics and elements, the Fediverse and Mastodon, and uh, I was even following BitMessage in, in 2013. Uh, it's, uh, it's challenging because like uh, one of the things that Bitcoin has is uh, global consensus, which on one side makes everything terrible to scale, but on the other side makes it easy for people to converge over a single network effect, which is very strong. While in Freedom Tech, more in general, in communication, information sharing, uh, con uh, internet connection, in, in order to decentralize the internet, uh, the challenge is uh, fragmentation because there are many, uh, many different initiatives. Everybody is trying to reinvent the wheel. So we, even in, in the context of Bitcoin, there was a company doing uh, Bitcoin addition peer-to-peer uh, -peer network. Was called Blockstack. I cannot say tell you what what is called now, but it's become a shitcoin company. There was uh, you know TBD, Web5, uh, the Nostra, a lot of experiments in different uh, fields, in different side, taking the uh, attacking the problem from different angles and the difficult thing is to find a strong shelling point a point of convergence a point where everybody can start to build on the same stack uh, instead of just reinventing the wheel every time so i'm looking forward to see if uh, this experiment can succeed into in, in becoming the gold standard of peer-to-peer uh, -peer communication where everybody can build upon and um, i mean uh, I'm, I'm very i'm very optimistic and it, it looks uh, looks very cool Sweet. You mean the Bitcoin, right? Do what? 
Giacomo, you mean the Bitcoin standard, not the gold standard. Uh, digi- digital, <laughs> digital. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, finding that convergence was definitely was definitely our goal, and um, like obviously it's an iterative process, um, but we're you know we're aligned on thinking on 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 what you're saying there. Yeah, and just as a personal note, because I've been, I'm right there with you, Giacomo, is that I, I played around with BitMessage, I, I like played around with Mastodon, like it's just kind of been, since I was like 13 years old, like I've just kind of run through all of the various tools for the whole P2P options and all the attempts to kind of revive this um, since kind of the peak of it in 2006, 2007, when it, when it took a turn and everything centralized into platforms. Um, and, uh, and I, I gotta say just personally, I've never been as excited about anything in that space in, in towards that goal as this, like hands down. Um, and that is what, I mean, that's obviously why I am here <laughs> wanting to ask all these questions and, and be a part of this, um, because uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. So let's let's just start with the simple, the, the easy question. Uh, well, easy question. What is pair runtime? The obvious question. How is this going to change peer to peer app development? And why is it that this one has that? potentially powerful shelling point around accomplishing the goal where so many have basically died on the vine uh in the in the process and maybe we'll just start with uh matthias um i'm curious your answer on this we'll, we'll start with matthias and we'll end the stream with matthias because matthias will talk from now on about how cool pay runtime is question. <laughs> uh no um <clears throat> well, you know, pair runtime is, is obviously many things, but like I think the succinct uh, version of it is it's it's a it's a powerful, simple uh, uh, runtime that runs on mobile, desktop, and embedded devices uh, when we when we get to that. But the model works that allows you to run apps on your computer and apps on the P2P network and develop these apps extremely easily. Um, it's one of those things, and this is actually why this is going to uh, massively succeed where many things have tried and failed before. It is one, one of the things that's really, really good at is doing one thing and one thing only, and that's just running apps and distributing apps. Um, it's all about app development and pair runtime. So it's, it's, a, it's a program you install. You actually, if you're running Keyt, you already have it because Keyt is running on pair runtime. Um, that if you, if you link the, the CLI up, you get a bunch of commands that it just allows you to start developing apps really easily and developing apps with pair runtime is as simple as making small um, HTML apps on desktop if you've ever done that in a mobile um, uh, React Native apps, but actually it works for any kind of frontend you would want to. That's one of the flexibilities of it. And it's just really, really, really good at allowing you to make those apps and distribute that app, those apps and distribute secure updates to those apps anywhere in the world, all through the swarm, all through the peer-to-peer network with exactly the same technology as we're using of building key. And I think one of the things uh, we really invested in and we're, we've been developing um, like high quality JavaScript and Node.js code for many years. Me and David have worked together for many years also on uh, figuring out what good JavaScript is. Um, and one of the things uh, we, I think we got really good at uh, is knowing exactly where a project starts and where a project ends. 
in a good way where it knows exactly the kind of modularity it needs to bring to the table. And what Pair Runtime brings to the table massively is just the ability to distribute and run these apps in a way where these apps can do anything you would want. It just gets out of your way. You can you can make apps that, uh, you know, is, is a Twitter competitor. You can just make little fun apps. You can even make an app that just shows fun memes. You can also make a chat app like Keep. And the runtimes just allows you to package that up and distribute them without any infrastructure, just all with the peer-to-peer networks, super secure, any kind of strategy you want. And the modularity here just really, really, really is insanely powerful once you get into it. Uh, we just talked about the fact yesterday that when we shipped um, Pair Runtime, um, the build process of building Pair Runtime is built on Pair Runtime. So we use Pair Runtime to build Pair Runtime, which is pretty nuts because it's just... Uh, an environment that makes it really easy to make um, to make applications and pair runtime is an application like anything else. Uh, we use Keat to uh, coordinate releasing pair runtime, and we use Keat to coordinate signing uh, the build because we signed the build with the Future Network, so we we multi-sig that build, so it's super secure, and we have a, a review process. We use Keat for that, so that's another app running on pair runtime. Um, and then we distribute it, uh, obviously, to peers, and peers distribute themselves. And we run a couple of peers always to 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 help distribute um, the the build. And that's also run with pair runtime. So it's just like you know, once you get into it, it's like pair runtime five levels down. Uh, and that just shows you the flexibility of this. So to me, as a developer, it's kind of like almost like an operating system uh, of the future, where it's just a small thing that that just knows what it wants to do and it does it really well, and it just allows you to run these apps super securely it's also updating itself over the runtime uh, so whenever we sign a new build you get the newest version first so you never have to worry about users like running on, on an old version it's 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 just very very easy to develop for it's very flexible and like i said that whole thing where you can just make one app where the the peer-to-peer engine of that app can be shared between mobile and desktop and whatever you want that's just like you know, I've been promised that many times. Uh, did a lot of Java development in the past, and then that was never true. And the first time I ever actually deployed something where it was true was Keith, because with the Keith, we share all the code between all the environments we deploy it in, because it's just JavaScript running on our engine, and the engine is the same in every environment. And that's just uh, that's taking us to a whole new level of productivity as developers. And from from a business point of view, it just means that we we iterate faster than ever, uh, because it just means that all the actual boring stuff about making apps just gets out of the way. All of the annoying costs, scaling costs, deployment costs gets out of the way because the runtime just handles that. And David and his team, who's who's making um, pair runtime at, at Hellpunch, managed to take all this, what you think is complexity, and just wrap it up in a little tool that has four commands, and it just works. Uh, and it's 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 really incredible, and it's it's a super module. It's all open source, also, and uh, you can go look at it at GitHub. And and um, uh, it's only getting better. And like I said, um, me and David had a little you know celebratory meeting today where we're like, hey, it went well, and uh, we're just already like, oh, and now we need to ship this, this, and this because there's just so many things uh, we can we can so many ways we can iterate this tool uh, to be so much better, and that's just like. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, nothing like it before, but in a, uh, but also kind of like the combination of our own thinking and, and dreaming, uh, writing JavaScript apps and writing just apps and doing development and doing infrastructure deployment for the last last seven years. Um, so um, it's incredibly cool. 
everything we do runs on top, uh, not, not, nothing hidden, um, super simple and just really, really powerful things and all built by a very, very passionate team. Um, and um, yeah, you know, uh, you should check it out. And again, if you have Keith, you're already checking it out because you're running on pay runtime and, uh, and uh, yeah, super exciting. So in other words, after seven years of grueling work, you can finally get the work started. <laughs> oh yeah and that's not even scratching the service because if you start picking this thing apart there's like uh i told another guy that's recently there's like seven nobel prizes in software development in there i think uh because there's just so many really really hard problems the teams had to figure out that all from gnarly javascript integration native things linking on different platforms in a very novel way so all this stuff works that they just all figured out because they're just dedicated people um and that's just sitting under the surface of this thing and you don't need to care because they figure it out and it just works and um uh, you can make apps with this thing it's javascript but it's like if you want to well you ask for this a lot guy like you know if you want to transcode videos uh, natively because you don't want to do it in javascript because javascript is not good for that you can just build that because the runtime supports loading um, native stuff like that really easily we have an interface for that that's just really powerful and flexible and there's really no place where this thing starts and stops in that way because it's like i said it's like an operating system it can do whatever you want uh, you just have to tame it and so it's a beast and um uh, it's probably the, the most solid thing technologically we ever launched in our careers and um yep. and, it ha- and it has those final thing it has finally like that peer-to-peer aspect also of like we make it better every week every time we make a new release and we multi sig it that benefits everybody it's kind of like if you are running Linux and they upgrade the kernel and it's faster, the computer is faster. That's the same thing we run here. But this kernel is tiny and it's just uh, know what I want and it's really, really good at it. So yeah, super exciting stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, David, um, you and I have never actually spoken before. Um, so officially, really good to meet you, man. Um, uh, but same hey. question to you. What is this? What is this to you? What does it you know mean to have zero infrastructure costs for a developer or a business? Like like, why are you here, so to speak? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to answer the infrastructure cost question, if you think of um, Telegram, what does it cost them per user per year? And that cost is going up. I think it's like 700 million a year or something, right? So uh, Keat doesn't have that cost. Um, I, think that's, I think that's huge. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, but what is, what is pair runtime? Well, I think, I think Matthias uh, described it described it uh, pretty pretty much to a T. It's it's just a few commands in a CLI. And with those commands, you can create peer-to-peer applications. You can create peer-to-peer systems as well. There's, you can create terminal apps and desktop apps and make them do things together. Uh, we have uh, a really cool uh, process of deployment setup that uses Keep, um, and it uses, uh, you know, these things to in a peer-to-peer way to like uh, so that we can sign builds with multisig in a keep room. Um, there's a lot of versatility between pair and keat, um, and pair and keat is built on top of pair. Um, <clears throat> so it's you, like if you have keat, you already have pair. Um, but the, the the entry point to pair is the CLI. And uh, that's the behind the scenes, if you like, of Keat. Uh, it's the way you can build things like Keat. Like when I was, I, I learned JavaScript when I was twelve, when I was a kid, and like the thing that I loved about it was the the rapid 
iteration cycles. Um, that's what that's what got me hooked. And like I couldn't I couldn't get on with Java. I still can't get on with Java um, because it's just like there's just too much ceremony for like a kid's brain, right? And so I think that like the whole goal with all of this in creating pair runtime, the whole thing to keep in mind has been like what how would 12 year old me like be able to understand this um and like you still have to you still have to have an interest in computers of course but like it there is definitely that's 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 really been what we've been going for and so it really like if you if you just like watch the videos and read the docs it it actually becomes and and use it a little bit it it to me it's, it's it feels more intuitive now than the than anything else um everything else is frustrating because of this <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a funny way to put it um because uh, just in like my uses and like like what i'm wanting to build with this like you know i got i got roped into this just because i couldn't find a different solution to the absolute frustration of doing what I thought was ought to be a simple thing in this day and age. I feel like there's like 20 to 30 years of incredible internet development and there's still some simple problems that somehow shockingly have only just gotten more bloated and more confusing. Mm -hmm. Like they've yeah. just gotten worse with time because we never actually solved them. And it's amazing how clean this could be as a solution to those things. Um, and yeah. it's it's just if if you want to take that and and add a comment but like that's just something that well, I, has stuck I, I feel with me that, yeah i totally agree man I feel, I feel that like when the internet was sold to the public in the 90s like once it was starting to reach that commercialization point the angle was like what what we've built now i feel like a lot of the sort of hype around it was like Hey, like it's like people connecting together, and it's and when I started learning about it, I thought that that was how it was supposed to work, and so I kept trying to make it work that way um, because that's what was sold. <laughs> so I, I think that like uh, I think that this I, I, I'm very hopeful that this creates a, a new um, well, <laughs> the Cambrian explosion uh, of of applications. Um, I really, I really am hopeful that this is this is the, the trigger for it. Yeah, hell yeah, me too. Damn it, me too. Um, I, I wanted to ask Paolo something. Paolo, so you are the head of two insanely successful large centralized services, you know, Bitfinex and Tether. Why all the peer-to-peer -peer stuff? Why, why make all of this investment here? Well. First of all, I'm a developer. One of the first, probably the first cool job that I ever had in my career was building a peer-to-peer -peer resilient network for um, battlefields um, uh, for you know a public Italian company. So, and I was 18 when I had that um, when I started that job. So, the idea of I and 
you know, I'm a sci-fi fan. I always had the concept of building things that resist to the wrath of God, to the apocalypse, right? So if, if like, if you build something that uh, only works in the best case scenario, I think that you are only using 10% of your real, for real, you're using only 10% of your brain power. I mean, as humanity, we should know better. We should know that we should build things that are much more resilient. Uh, we, we have seen throughout the history of humanity how things can turn south really quickly, and yet we keep building things that as soon as something goes wrong, the, uh, everything comes to a stop, right? Imagine like WhatsApp or, or like Zoom. Imagine if there is a, a downfall in, uh, in the society, there is a social unrest. Those things will stop, those are the things that will stop working before anything else. There is no doubt. So those are instruments also of mass control. So the only way to create apps that keep, imagine if you are a country and uh, you know the, you are inside a country, all the population of the country will get, and, and the outside, the, the nearby neighbors of this country will cut the, all the internet lines around the country. No one inside the country will be able to communicate because we are so hooked to WhatsApp, Telegram, and, and so on, that we, without those, the entire government will stop. Entire families cannot talk to each other. Uh, parents cannot talk to their children and so on. It's, it's like that. Heat is the only tool that can make that happen again, can solve the problem and allows people to keep talking, even in small communities, is the fractal system for communications. And so extending this pattern to everything else is, was, extremely, was extremely important, right? So, and look, there are a few cool things about, to know about uh, what we are doing at, uh, with um, with. Um, uh, with parent time, kit, and the whole bunch as a, as a global vision, I think you ask me wh why I'm, I'm doing this. So I founded this with Matthias for the very same reason that is actually exactly aligned with the ethos of Bitcoin. It's ex exactly aligned with the ethos of Tether. This, so at Tether, we think that uh, you know, we built surely a centralized stable coin. Um, it's important to say that you know, USDT is not Bitcoin for sure. But the ability of servicing, you know, the last mile, like to, to provide services and fair access to, you know, financial services through Bitcoin and USDT was the ethos of Tether. And uh, we think that uh, creating unstoppable tools and with Tether, we are building a ton of stuff on top of Bitcoin as well. We are funding RGB, we are, we are, uh, we are uh, funding and giving grants to Lightning Network developers so everything that we do you know we have this model that are called unstoppable together right so if we build things as peers and we build keep building technology that is that can be embraced in an easy way then we can create a huge movement and first of all as i think uh, matthias and, and david um, expressed really well the problem so far is that every single attempt and approach to to create something peer-to-peer -peer and, and a decentralized communication system really failed. Failed because for, for multiple reasons, and I know that I'm gonna be not, uh, uh, I will be considered controversial by some of, some of the listeners, but to me, Noster is, um, is not the ultimate approach, right? It's something that can work until it gets too big. And I think humanity now can see with parent time and with uh, with the whole punch protocol and, and libraries how it should be done. I think this is this is the ultimate um, the ultimate solution 
to build peer-to-peer -peer apps. There is nothing, I mean, it's like uh, how uh, Michael Saylor says about Bitcoin, there is no second best. I don't think there is a second best when it comes to peer-to-peer to, um, to -peer communications and building peer-to-peer -peer apps. The difference here is that what we did with Punch is making it available and taking a simple box where people can actually do things. If you asked anyone five years ago or three years ago or one year ago, oh, uh, do you think you can create a nice, reliable uh, app peer-to-peer -peer with nice user experience? They would always say, oh, no, 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 because I mean, peer-to-peer -peer is nice, it's cool, but it's niche because we'll never work in a real world because it's too complex, people don't understand, and uh, the user experience sucks. Well, we, of course, with Kit, there is still um, some way to go to improve this experience, but we have a room with 1.5 thousand people in that room, all peer-to-peer, -peer, we lost it our server, all talking together. So the, we are demonstrating that actually it's, it's possible to build something that is usable, that is scalable, and doesn't have any sense of servers or central relays and so on and so forth. So it is a big lie that we need central infrastructures. You can use data centers to have backups and many interesting things, right? So if you need like a super powerhouse to, to, to compute complex uh, large, large language models, that's fine. But people should talk to people without any intermediaries. It's like Bitcoin put in touch people and allows them to transact without intermediaries. So to me, Hole Punch is the, um, and the parent time are the Bitcoin communications following the same ethos. And uh, the reason why Tether is behind this is because, I mean, we have the, 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 the shoulders, we have the war chest to make this happen because we are ready to die on this hill. We have ready to spend a lot of money to make this product and this, uh, this movement successful. So we're in the best position to make that happen because for us, we have been extremely lucky as you, know, you could see from our recent uh, um, attestation, we, made, we are making good money um, and uh, we believe that uh, it's our duty to reinvest part of that money to change, to bring the same philosophy to um, the same philosophy that makes us successful, that is basically, you know, the, the freedom philosophy that Bitcoin created into the communication space. And uh, it, it requires a lot of investments because it's true. I mean, keep yeah. doesn't don't have costs, right? Of course, there's a development cost, but if, even if they had two, three billion users, it wouldn't cost anything more than what it's costing today. But nevertheless, making people understand, creating an enormous educational movement around the powerful potential of the parent time and, and, and hole punch technology is going to be an expensive exercise that we're ready to undertake just because we think it's the right thing. Sorry for the long rant. No, no, that was great. That was great. And I actually, I want to go right into... Swan Bitcoin has the full suite of Bitcoin financial services. You can instantly buy, with your bank account or wire transfer, any amount of Bitcoin up to $10 million worth. And you can easily set up what I have been doing for ages, which is an automatic purchase of Bitcoin on a weekly or monthly basis. You just pick your time frame and then automatically withdraw it to your cold storage. And still they have free withdrawals to self-custody, which I was sure would be gone by now. 
but you should always treat any custodian as a point of failure. And luckily, you won't have to go anywhere for all of the information and advice you need for why you should withdraw and how to do it safely, because Swan Bitcoin has all of the resources you need and will regularly remind you. About 80% or more of their customers automatically withdraw their coins. That is an amazing feat, if you ask me. Then they also have the Swan IRA if you have a traditional IRA and you want to get it allocated to Bitcoin. And there's so much more. With Swan Private, they have inheritance planning. You also have Swan business accounts, and you can even do Bitcoin as a part of your employee benefit plans. They have an advisory. They have the Swan Vault, a multi-sig service for, for those who want to have the benefits of holding the majority of their keys, but still also want to be able to rely on a trusted institution in the case of an emergency or a disaster. If you haven't started into Bitcoin yet, Swan is an amazing place to begin. Go to swan.com slash guy. The link will be right there in the description. Again, that is swan.com slash guy. And they will know that I sent you and my beautiful face will be right there at the top of the page to greet you. I am a longtime user myself and a huge thank you to Swan for supporting this show. And I definitely recommend you check them out. Kind of the technical part of this, like, like what is the application of this? Like, where can we use it? Um, and one of the things actually that you brought up, I just want to add a little personal note on this is that like for the last like three, at least months or so, um, on, uh, Twitter, I've been shadow banned. And so like, even when I'm talking with people that like, I'm following them, like, like, uh, uh, I'm following them and they're following me. Um, uh, I think it's Bashko. I was ch had, trying to have a chat with and he wasn't responding or didn't seem to be getting any of my messages. And so I DM'd him and gave him a screenshot of the chat and he screenshot his and like all of my stuff is hidden. And, um, one of the things that got me, like, I've always known, like you always have like in the back of your mind, it's like, you don't own this network, but you kind of operate as if you do, right? Like it's your social, like that's how I get in touch with everybody. Twitter is still for better or for worse, the best way to get in touch with the largest group of people in Bitcoin. And it's funny over the last like three or four months, just, just how clearly I don't own shit. Like they can just, they can take it away from me in seconds. Like I can just, like I, people don't get my DMs sometimes. Uh, I like my brother will just be like, I haven't seen anything from yours. And he will go to my stuff. Stuff doesn't even show up in my feed. And I've even gotten notifications that I'm labeled as a spammer and it took me two months to get in touch with support. I have to go beg somebody be like, what the hell? Why? Like, I don't, I don't even know what I did. Why? And then I got, I've got nothing but canned responses. The, su the support is comically retarded. Like it's just so unbelievably bad. Like I'm more frustrated talking to support than if they just wouldn't answer my questions. Um, and I just, I feel such a relief when I go over to Keat and I'm just like, Nobody can get in the way of this. Like, like this, it's so important that we actually own our networks. It's crazy that we don't, that we don't, that none of it is ours. There is, there is a platform, there is an owner at the top of this that can just take, just decide what people should or shouldn't see. Um, and so that's just something that it's been fresh in my mind because I, my two main things are literally like Keat, or my three main things are Keat, Noster, and Twitter still. And it's just hilarious, the dichotomy between those in kind of the power that I have. Um, 
Uh, but uh, I wanted to go over to Samson on this one because you brought up uh, a game that you're developing part of, uh, working on a project, and how this could relate. How does this fit into this? Because this is actually new to me. I don't, I don't know this project. Tell me about that. Sure. But before we get into that, I want to touch back on some of the points that Paulo brought up, um, specifically Noster, because you're talking about it too. And in Giacomo's long, long intro, he was talking about shelling points and getting um, everyone to work on the same tech stack. So when Noster launched, there was a lot of fanfare around it and everyone's excited about it. And I remember talking to Paulo back then and he was saying, well, you know, the architecture is wrong because you're still relaying, re relying on centralized relays to route. So it's just data you own, kind of, but you're still relying on that central point of failure or multiple central points of failure instead of a single point of failure, like, say, for Twitter. So my point is, um, what is the path to get to that shelling point? Because you have this big, vibrant, very passionate community of nostriches, and it, it has legs, and it has a good usage, good following. But I think for people that are more technical, they understand that there are failings there. But the users don't seem to understand or care about that. I still remember in uh, Uvita, when I went to Nostrica, in Costa Rica, I was on a panel with uh, Rockstar, and I said, "Well, one of the key things that Nostra needs to do is to make it so that anybody can be a relay. So, is it that we need to, like, someone has to build uh, a key, uh, sorry, a Nostra client that is powered by pair runtime, where you are your own relay, and get that to some level of popularity? Because I." I, I know that those guys know, but like the developers behind um, Damas and everything, they know about Hole Punch and they know about Keat, but I don't think they see it as a problem. And that's already an issue because they're closer to the tech than the average user who is even further removed from all this technical discussion and nuance. Samsung, can I give a minute, guys? Can you, can you, do you mind if I um, jump in here? Yeah, yeah. Please. Because the my main point is that I think is putting this way is fairly fairly um, simple to understand is the the entire concept of peer to peer is that you know it is in the name everyone should be a peer. If you have suddenly as in Noster a super peer, then you know feels like less than peer to peer. If you have a super peer, it means that someone has more privileges is more important in a way than you. Sure, everyone can run a super peer, but it means that you need more skills, you need more money, because it costs money to run a super peer, because I remember some of the founders or, or of the Davos app were complaining about the cost of running Node and, and uh, because it was blowing up. So in a peer-to-peer -peer scenario, the first time, when you think about the technology, right, has to be symmetrical, has to be clean, has to be simple. If you have the complexity, or if you have, you know, um, uh, alien, um, you know, solutions, then you are just creating a, a point of failures. So if in a peer-to-peer -peer system, so where everyone should be a peer, you are the super peer, that means that you are not designing it correctly. 
is the beauty of technology, in my opinion, is that it's not subjective technology, right? It's not subjective that one thing is better than another from the technology point of view. Either works or not, it's physics. Technology is basically physics with a little bit of uh, uh, maths around and so on. So, and history has taught us this, this really well. So in a way, Noster is similar to LimeWire or Kazan, where you had peer-to-peer file sharing, but you had centralized indexing in a way. And they ended up badly until Victor and came and had, you know, completely peer-to-peer indexing to the DHT, this is this with the hash table, and then peer-to-peer um, connectivity to share files. So I'm not saying things that just, I, I, you know, for me, I like the fact that Noster put peer-to-peer on the map and showed how I think we always, lost some. Always with, always with the Twitter. Elon's just like on, with his finger yeah. on that button. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I would say that basically, I, I think that Noster showed us that is uh, that uh, how important it is for people to have a peer-to-peer um, social network. Just the technology is not right. And again, it's 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 pure objectivity. So it it's, cannot be subjective. The quality of the technology. Yes, Giacomo, what you got? Yeah, I very much agree. I'm also very interested in uh, discussing the similarities and the differences with Nostra, which for many Bitcoiners appear to be the, the closest thing to a shelling point to build upon. But I agree with uh, Paolo and Samson that for, for many reasons, it cannot be the initial shelling point. Mostly what Paolo said about uh, not being peer-to-peer -peer from the start. There is an interesting nuances, in my opinion, in this, because we know that every decentralized system, uh, because of economies of scale, uh, tends to uh, build up some level of, of specialization, like even Bitcoin, every Bitcoin node is a Bitcoin node, peer-to-peer. -peer. But then you have the miners that, that start to amass uh, hash power that other nodes cannot have. Some, uh, some miners uh, have a node because they are mining pool, but some other miners are just hashers. Then you have uh, light nodes with the wallets, you have LSPs. So even in Bitcoin, you have specialization and differentiation. The problem is that if you build a system which uh, has a peer-to-peer -peer architecture, and on top of that, you create some kind of specific roles, then in case of failure of those specific roles, you can still gracefully fall back on the previous decentralization. So let's assume that in Lightning, most big LSP will close down. Sure, that's, that will create problems, but there is a graceful failure mode in which basically every node can, at least in theory, in principle, by design, it can go back to be one peer just like the others. If all the great mining pools and farms shut down, our Bitcoin core can be reactivated to be a miner in a worst case scenario. So you have this kind of fallback scenarios. The problem with NOS is that uh, like other technology, uh, including like the Fediverse, like Mastodon, they assumed uh, the, the outcome of economies of scale. So they assume that eventually you will have specialization. So you will have this big hub and spoke uh, system with this kind of specialized professional service provider. And so they designed the stack directly 
to distinguish the service provider from the nodes. The problem is that in this architecture, when you shut down the service providers, there is no graceful fallback to the previous uh, system. Instead, on top of something really decentralized and really peer-to-peer, -peer, you can have an evolution on top that will build up maybe some kind of uh, more, uh, there will be probably in the future if, uh, if peer, uh, sorry for my pronunciation because in, 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 a, in a bad English-Italian, the, the word play between peer and peer get lost a little bit because I, I say it the same way. But anyway, if you use this stack, this technology stack, to build uh, the future of the internet, then eventually you can have uh, uh, some big nodes taking on many of the responsibilities, like you have it in Lightning with LSPs, and then when those nodes get hit and get stuck, uh, then you can fall back on uh, on the previous state of the uh, of the system. The second problem, I think, is that the Noster was starting with the assumption that the only thing we have to share is a note, uh, is text, is uh, tweets, basically. But the problem is that the whole internet stack is broken, not just the not just Twitter. Twitter is an internet services which is broken because it's heavily censored and centralized. But if we want to replace Twitter, first we have to replace the internet. And the initial design of Nostr unfortunately, unfortunately doesn't scale up from text messages, uh, from tweets to general uh, connection, general general computer to computer communication, and try to to put uh, the, the, like machine to machine communication in Nostr is possible, but it's very, very hard. It's not conceived for that. So probably uh, the, this stack has the chance to go the other way around. But I agree with Samson to a, to a very large degree that uh, we probably could uh, find the shelling point that adopts this technology as, a, as the main technology, but also the NOS community as a part of, the, of, a, of a whole movement toward the decentralization peer-to-peer -peer goal. So the NOS community is very, very cool. I think that as a social phenomenon, we cannot throw it away. It already represents a strong shelling point from the, from the uh, let, let's say, cultural point of view, social point of view. It's just that the technology underlying it cannot really scale to replace the internet, unfortunately. So we need something, something better. Yeah, there's um, the, like the big distinction in my mind when, when I think about what that challenge is and what that difference is, is the same thing that I've run into in like trying to get files from one computer to another um, and the difficulty of doing that without a service. And how many times I've, I have set up like some, a personal server or SMB thing in my house or a NAS, like all of this stuff. But then like when I go and I'm trying to get like a universal solution, I'm trying to get something that I know anybody could use easily. And the conversation starts with, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Just set up a server and do this and this. And like, you've already lost. Like if, if the, the mechanism, like the fact that you have to set up some sort of a server, you have to set some, a, a public facing port forwarding instance is the thing that makes it that only half of a percent of people actually do it. Like that's one of the most centralizing forces. Like the, it, the existence of being a peer needs to be client and server in one. And that's what has fundamentally, like I feel like has been solved with this. Um, but on that note, actually, I wanna go back to uh, Dave and Matthias on like what have been the major challenges of this, of, of <laughs> making this work? 
Mm. Before you, before you, before you answer that, David, just actually had a quick anecdote here because yesterday when I was, we were doing the final build for the runtime, which is like you have to co compile a bunch of code. I had that problem with this set guy where the Windows build machine, um, I had to get the build from that to the other machine, and like you said, with you know, you can set up a bunch of servers and stuff. But I'm a, I like to think that I'm a technical, knowledgeable person, and I have the capabilities of doing that, and I also have. Uh, I earn enough money that I can pay for that if I wanted to every month, like pay those five dollars to to run a tiny machine. But the problem with that approach is that, you know, whenever you need it, it's not there because you forgot to pay it or it's expired or something is wrong or something. Yesterday when I did that build, that computer, the build computer, had an ancient version of Keyed on it. It's P2P and it just worked, and I just had a room in there with myself and I dropped the build, and that's how it got deployed afterwards. I got the build out on the other computer and I checked. Everything was fine. So it's kind of like, I think it's like, that's actually like a big point to me about how it's the path of least resistance. Because as soon as you have, you know, it's like, if you ever have a, a, a funnel mm -hmm. where there's anything in that funnel, you lose 80% of people. Just like removing the funnel is key. So Yeah, that's removing true. the friction. No, 100%. Even since the alpha, like as much as, like, like my SMB server is there 60% of the time. And sometimes I, I don't know what it is. If it's just Linux is just angry at Mac one day or vice versa. But like, I will just try to connect to it and it will literally show me my list of folders, like in my finder, like nothing's wrong. And then I double click on one of the folders to add something. It, it disconnects and I have to, I have to reconnect. And it just does that over and over and over again. And I, for four months or actually hell for a year, the path of least resistance has been to just drop a file into Keith and go to the other thing and download it. Yep. And it yeah, works. Same. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like the, the human way of, you know, when you text yourself to, to, to share a note, that's what I like about it. It's like, that's how my parents would do it also. And that's how me as a technical knowledge person would do it because why not? Like, why does it have to be more advanced than that? And why does it have to, require setting up anything else like this, just, that should just work so that's that's so powerful and now I've, i forgot your question so you have to repeat it again <laughs> so the question was uh, more specifically just like what are the major challenges in in making in, in getting across that gap of, of making this work on any device and so that i can just message myself a file like what how <laughs> what the hell uh, got in the way uh, of that task? <laughs> win, Windows was a lot of was a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, for the platform, and especially Windows yeah. was terrible. Uh, yeah. I I think uh, uh, I'll let David expand also, but like I think there's so many challenges. It's like peer to peer. I probably said this on a previous spaces before, but when we hire people to work at Whole Punch to work on peer to peer, it's like always a very depressive interview because we're always like. And by working at Hope Punch, you don't really work at peer-to-peer -peer because you make the peer-to-peer -peer so everybody else can work at it. Uh, so it's the, it's the terrible job that requires a lot of uh, long nights. Um, uh, David is the only one left with hair, basically, of the team, uh, <laughs> as you can see in the videos. Um, so there's there's so many hot problems. He's made up. He's got he got every one of y'all's hair. That's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like he's crafting it. Uh, as as think, I've think, absorbed the P2P knowledge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think one thing that outside like obvious technical challenges, which there's many of, one thing that's incredibly hard and that me and David spent a lot of time with and uh, a lot of debate around in a good way, it's like we have all this complexity. Like it's computer peer behind the scenes is complex. There's all this stuff happening to make sure that your stuff works and it just works. How can we take all that complexity and how can we deliver that in a way that's simple, 
has, like David said earlier, five commands, just runs mm -hmm. everywhere. It's as simple as setup as installing Keith and then you get the runtime without bubbling that complexity up. Because every time we have a hard thing, it's like always like, oh, maybe we should just bubble this up and have somebody deal with it. Nope, that's like, you know, that's where we're like fanatics. We want to make it simple, mm -hmm. always. Minimalism. And yeah, like users shouldn't care about the problems we have. Uh, we should solve those problems for everybody. And that, that I think, has been an, a massive challenge uh, to deliver because if you ever, if you, if you use the runtime today, you'll find out that it's, uh, it's incredibly simple. Um, and if the, uh, and the, and the, and the trouble you, if you have any, would probably just be that, you know, we didn't write something down in the docs or something that, like people can't find a flag or whatever, but that stuff is just so hard. So like, you know, taking something that's underneath pretty intense and like years of work and then presenting it in something where you're like, well, like four commands, what the heck? That's crazy, I think. And David, I'll let you add whatever you want to add. Yeah, and we're trying and we're trying to do the same thing with the code as well because you know a lot of the a lot of the challenge I think in coding is is in making the code more simple, not in adding more complexity. Um, and the platform code base itself, like we've got some more to do on that. But uh, like you, like if you if you know JavaScript, you can read it and and like you can figure out how it works. Um, it uses many modules as well, so it's like you have to understand the modules and what they're doing. But like by the time you've you've gone through all that, you you understand. You, it's like you know in the Matrix where it's like I know Kung Fu. It's like I know P2P. Like you, you do that. Um, so it and and like <laughs> that's uh, not often not often the way things go in like <laughs> quote quote big tech. You know, it's the more complexity, more complexity, more complexity. Um, but it's finding those primitives, uh, and I think that the the that Kademlia, the primitive at the at the bottom of all of it, is the sort of thing that enables everything else as as these as these higher level primitives. Um, yeah, and uh, and um, we make everything extremely modular, and and then like uh, we have this philosophy that goes throughout the company that's like we do one thing and one thing well every time we do something. Which means that the entire stack is insanely modular, uh, which also translated yesterday to me having to click a, a thousand buttons on GitHub as we we're launching because I had to make literally a hundred repos public, and every every one of those required like ten button clicks. So my hand were really tired at the end of the day. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but but uh, but that's just like we 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 don't do anything half. We do we do one hundred and ten percent all the time, and that's you can really see this through the software. I think. Well, it's it's also about taking it's it's that, but also part of that hundred ten percent is about taking your time and making sure that things work. I mean, there is there you know there's an element of you know we need to get this right, um, but it's uh, I think it's important to be both productive and relaxed. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, the last few weeks have been very intense. Um, yeah, one of my, sorry, one of my metrics for, and this is, this is really what kind of blew me away with Keith, even in the alpha actually, um, uh, for kind of proving that this worked. And when I was, uh, uh working with, uh, hope, um, which I think he's in the chat somewhere. Um, but, uh, with, uh, the little project that he's been building, um, 
it was, I think it was like in the first day or whenever we just had like a joint thing with a, a terminal window and we were chatting with each other through a terminal window, just how quickly and easily you just put in a key and then it connects. And my, my usual, um, uh, kind of what's, what's the term like totem or, or like frame for whether or not this is going to work or whether or not the normie can actually use this is I, I force my, um, my tortured friends and close family circle to use all of the, uh, you know, I, I made a move to signal and I made a move to like all of these things over the years. And they're always like, Oh, okay, guys, we have to do another one of these stupid things. And, uh, when I got my sister, my sister-in-law on heat, um, because we do a lot of work with the business together. Um, she is not technical at all. And usually when I'm like, yeah, yeah, just like generate a key or do something. She's like, oh, God. Oh, God. What? Sorry to interrupt, guys. I have yeah. to jump. Thank you very much for, for everyone's time and for, for the listeners. I hope that you all can start playing around with the parent time and Keat. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Paolo. Hell yeah. Thanks thank you for joining for us, man. See you, Paolo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but my... Um, my metric was, you know, can she do it? And, and I remember when she first set up Keat for the first time, um, I, uh, you know, she's stressing that this is going to be some difficult thing that like I usually get her to set up something complicated because it's the safe version. It's the secure version and it's encrypted. And, uh, and I sent her a link and then she put it in and it connected right to it and she had, like install, like, I mean, maybe 40 seconds a minute from starting the install to, to being connected. And she was like, that's it. I was like, yep, that's it. We have a room. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we can use this. Like it was just like all of the, I could see the weight lift off her shoulders that like, oh, this isn't going to be like one of those complicated, annoying things. This is just easy. I just put in a link and now we're in the same room and we, we do things. Um, I thought that was a, it was an epic moment for me. I was like, holy God, this is actually going to work. <laughs> I think, uh, Guy, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Matthias and David can, uh, can explain that a little bit better, but I think one big switch from uh, the things we have seen in the Bitcoin aviation world like Noster is that now the, the key management is different. Instead of assuming that normal user will be able to generate and store a very long private key like we do, for example, Noster, now the devices are directly managing the identity and some kind of federation on top of it. On, on top of that will will basically manage the multi-platform synchronization. So it's a different approach that probably has more potential to be normally compatible than the, the, the Bitcoin-like alternative. Well, I was gonna jump in there, but um, you're gonna have to get your, uh, your sister, sorry, I wasn't listening to that part, who it was, but you have to get them to back up their identity right so it's going to be writing down 24 words in in um in keat so i i think there's still a barrier there because they will expect something like a resetting a password so the elements of centralization and the convenience that comes with that are still deeply ingrained that will be challenging to break i think yeah for i think sure. yeah. i think that's true but it's like i think also to a degree here the part I think that's also what guys saying, like, and that's what we're taking with the entire take is that I think any onboarding flow always should have no friction. And <clears throat> when we're shipping the, for example, the identities uh, build of Keat, which we're, we're, we're finishing up right now, you also notice that we're not forcing people to set this up immediately because we want that no friction where people can just 
get that, you know, get into the chat immediately. And if you don't care about exporting your identity, you don't have to. I think that's, I think it's, I think it's really important to remember that peer-to-peer -peer apps are not necessarily wallets and they have different kinds of, of users. Like maybe you try out key and you throw it away and that's fine. And then you just reset uh, with new rooms or maybe you want to export your identity and we're all different. And I think that's, that's, that's what peer-to-peer uh, when done right, it's really, really good at it. It's kind of like allowing you to pick your your level of uh, seriousness, which is which is pretty cool. Which is really hard with obviously like a wallet because then you're you're losing money and stuff from the get go. So um, yeah, just like UX is super important here, and that's we're that's one of the things we're investing the most in, also outside uh, software development. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes sense to kind of go that direction with the the lowest possible initial friction and then after they have made some sort of an investment and after there's a little bit of a network they have a room that they use or you know messages that they share or something then then it's like oh well i want to have an identity here like now that i've made an investment it's worth saving that investment um whereas if you have to make that investment up front when you don't even know if it's worth anything to you like it just ends up becoming a barrier to even using it to begin with like i have to do like these 10 different things. This is why I don't pay for stuff half the time. It's like when I get a, it, it's, it's remarkable how many times like I'll just get that page and just see this this form of like fill out all this crap and be like, you know what, this is worth $5. <laughs> Not just leave me go oh, do something else. I mean, it's like we have guys on our team that was today listening in, wanted to listening into the, to the Twitter space. And one of the guys was like, oh, I got to sign up to Twitter to do this. I can't be bothered because I have better things to do. And it's like, well, why did they want you to sign up to Twitter? It's because they want to use you as an asset on their platform and grow their centralized platform. In Keith, we wouldn't care. Like, you know, you do you. Do you. So like, why, sh why should you be forced to do anything? So as soon as you flip those incentives around, the UX just becomes front and center. And that's, that's super interesting for removing all the friction, even from, you know, that's even existing for centralized things like, like Twitter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I don't want to take up an infinite amount of time here um so i want to open up to open the floor here for just a minute but before we do that i actually just want to ask um all four of you samson dave giacomo matthias i, I want to know what is what is the thing like project 10 years out what is the thing that you want to see built that you're most excited about or right now that you're just most excited about that you can build with this there's we d we've done a thing on this <laughs> there's a video on Twitter video. that was posted it was yesterday uh we talk about this at length so you, I, I would find out put it in but um there's there's so many things like uh think of like a p2p uber eats or a, a p2p for journalism um like you can just you can slap P2P on a lot of stuff and see if you can make that work, <laughs> right? But like, but for real, the like the journalism one is one that sticks with me a lot because um, because there's an, there's an audibil audibility aspect to this. Everything's just a, a log, uh, uh, just an append only log. Um, so uh, there's there's a way to build credibility with that, right? Um, and and that credibility. Uh, I, I, I genuinely hope can change the way journalism works uh, to a more uh, pre-internet conventional uh, approach where it's local 
locally focused, high credibility, but but using essentially, you know, like the 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 autobase, which is the the multi writer module for um, that's used for uh, the Keep Chat. Um, that's that's essentially. Uh, oh God, I've lost my trail. I threw myself off. Where was I? The, the I was, basically revolution, changing journalism, changing the flow of information. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, but but that 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 thing there, it's the auto based thing is is essentially the a primitive for smart contracts as well. And so so with that, you can have you know articles that have payments to the author, payments to the the data sources that the authors used, and you can have these auditable trails within all of that. You could even you could even get crazy with it and and cross incentivize it by having another role of someone who can steal that money if they can prove that the that the article is not credible in some way. Like that, there's some fascinating things that could be done, and I'd love to do, but obviously, uh, I can't. <laughs> there's only so much time. Um, yeah, for sure. Matthias, like, uh, what about you? I think you should, yeah, we check out the video. I mean, David, we did one take where we just riffed around uh, all the apps, and we had a bunch of good ones. But while actually just doing this call, because uh, I'm in, I'm in like twenty conversations at once all the time. But two of our two of our guys right now is just porting Twitter Spaces to, to to um, to the radio app. So you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> That's what I'm excited about. Just two people, you know. Getting annoyed that this thing works with a login, just make an app, takes takes them like half a day, and then next time we'll we'll use that. That's what this thing is all about. So, I think if you if you looked at the start of the internet and you were trying to predict five ten years out in the future, everybody would be way off because the the thing we're actually unlocking is just we're unlocking people to do whatever the heck they want, and that's that's both insanely dangerous in a really good way um, and like completely unpredictable. Um, so. That's super exciting. Obviously, they'll all be using key at that point also. So that's 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 obviously nice. Samson, okay. I, I was about to say, so, yeah, jump in here. <laughs> we kind of segued or meandered off topic. So I'll, I'll go back to your earlier question, guy, about um, about Infinite Fleet. So as Giacomo got to show Plan B Network, I get to show Infinite Fleet a bit now. So this is a MMO strategy game that's being developed by Pixelmatic and published by Exordium. It's a fully fledged game. It's not some Web3 game that's not functioning and uh, barely there. It's actually a real game with a client, full client server model, and it can support uh, well, dozens of players and instances, and the world is scalable. Um, you can buy ships, fly them around, uh, create a fleet, and fight with um, the alien NPC faction. So it's a real game that's operating right now in closed beta. And we're doing some interesting stuff that's tangential to Bitcoin. So um, the assets in the game are issued on Liquid right now. We're actually planning to migrate to RGB. That's coming in the next few months. But um, it's a. Uh, it has NFTs. Maybe that's a bad word for people, but <laughs> the spaceships are NFTs. And the reason we did that was to enable player-to-player -player trading. So peer-to-peer -peer is definitely an aspect of this that we want to push forward. The interesting thing with um, Hole Punch and Pair Runtime now is that we can gain 
an additional benefit or a competitive advantage. Um, Paulo touched upon this before he dropped um, early on, I think, when he was talking about Telegram. Or was that Giacomo? I forgot. But they're both Italian, so same thing. Um, but uh, there is a huge competitive advantage for companies that I don't think they've yet come to realize. So for us with Infinite Fleet, every time we have a build, we have to distribute that build. And that is... I think it's like getting up to five gigs or more right now. And uh, actually more, but it gets expensive. So just build distribution alone. It, when when the game was at peak capacity during closed beta was probably thousands of dollars. And this is a, a very small audience. So you can roughly scale this in your mind. What happens to a game like World of Warcraft with uh, millions of players and they have an update? Well, the distribution costs of the build are massive. So we've already started doing a bit of R&D and looking at what we can do. And we're looking at hyperdrive specifically. So we're changing a bit of the architecture around how we distribute the builds. And it, we'll have our own um, hyperdrive that we update. And then the game launcher, which everyone running the game is running, will become... Um, a read-only hyperdrive and they'll read it from us and then distribute to other players effectively so we can get rid of that entire cost of having to run a centralized build distribution system and this can potentially scale up to other parts of the game too it'll require a lot more architecture but i think there's a way here to get it so the game is fully peer-to-peer and you might be able to eliminate the bulk of the infrastructure and outside of just build distribution cost, this is, I mean, this is Telegram level costs. I think Telegram is running at 200 million a year in server cost. Matthias, do you know that number off the top of your head? Yeah, it's in that range. It's insane. But even if you just look at something like Signal, they had that recent you know, news where <clears throat> just running Signals is what's like $25 million for uh, no, something that's actually a very small network. So things are yeah. just expensive. It uh, is. Also, <laughs> also, Samsung, uh, <clears throat> uh, you should uh, try out our, our, we have a multi-sig, but now we can hook up in Keyed for, for signing those to releases with uh, like many people. It's super cool. I'll hook you up to that process. That's really nice. It's, it's a really good model of distribution. Okay. We'll check that out. Though. So, you're re- so if I got this right, you're retrofitting uh, a massive, et cetera, et cetera, uh, with Hyperdrive. Yes, at least the build distribution part, so our deployment pipeline. But oh, okay. We could potentially have it so instead of client-server model, it's peer-to-peer completely. Mm-hmm. We just have to figure out how to make sure that the you know a group of peers can't game the data. So there has to be some centralized server at the end of the day checking stuff, so you're not you know, duping gold or things like that. But uh, I think it's a interesting path to go on and the cost savings could potentially be in the you know tens of millions to hundreds of millions depending on the scale of your game and the users so mm. i think it's worth the investment like you put a, a half a million dollars into r&d and the reward is you, know, you don't have any servers and this is no competition at that point so i i think i'm really bullish on keat for a number of reasons but um there's a a point at which you know Telegram's going to have to do something to make ends meet, right? Maybe it's selling data. I don't know. Maybe they do that now. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> mm. 
you don't have to worry about that with uh, something powered by hole punch and with hyperdrive or with, with, I, with I, the... no i just wanted to say i also think what you'll discover when you move to a process like that because we do that internally is, is that instead of having one build because all of a sudden they're free you just have like Everybody, every developer makes that makes a build of the app, and your iteration speed just goes up insanely because you can have all these different versions that you're testing out. Uh, so, like reducing costs, it's not just reducing costs that's nice, but it's also because when cost goes to zero, really interesting things happen with iteration speed, and I think that's also really, really powerful personally. Yeah, yeah. good. I think so. So the the there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm excited on for the future. I don't want to take up too much of the time, but um, I think keep is very important. Um, I think Paul touched on this before, but the the whole backbone of our communication infrastructure is very brittle. It's reliant on all these centralized servers and centralized companies. Um, and with Bitcoin, I like to say it's nuclear proof. And I think peer-to-peer -peer chat like Keat is the only nuclear proof layer of communication that we have. So we have to find a way to link this up with Blockstream Satellite. but. This is what we use after the apocalypse and uh, the zombies come. But um, that's a really bullish use case. I think I've talked to Paul over this before, but email is another thing we could see uh, potentially with powered by hole punch. But email is largely broken now because it's all centralized. If you're not using a big email provider, you really can't use email anymore. You can't run your own SMTP server. But I don't know, maybe Keith just displaces email completely. We'll see. But um, yeah, there's a, a ton of other stuff that's interesting. Um, there's another one that I was thinking of. I can't think of it right now. With yeah, uh, I, pair terminal apps, you could quite easily make a SMTP server, I reckon. Yeah, but it, it's kind of like going back to what I was saying about Nostra. If everyone can be a relay, everyone can have their own SMTP server, maybe you could decentralize email again and make it an open protocol once more but like we're actually having a problem with uh with at exordium our we're locked out of our google account and they they're denying payment unless we have a address proof for the company and we can't get that basically for the card that we're using the corporate card but we're all also locked out so we can't use that email anymore so we'll probably have to migrate it to uh to another Google account that's pre-existing, but you know, it just goes to speak to how broken email is. Um, they need a, they need a face palm emoji for this really bad. <laughs> yeah, let me think. What else was going to say? Yeah, I, I think that's largely it. And with any adoption of new technology, it's always driven by porn. So Matthias, you know what to do. I don't think anybody wants to see me make it, but um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure we can make technology. Like, as the scale man, grows. I hear, I hear only only pairs, only pairs is up for grabs, man. Oh, that's, Come that's on, good. buddy. Yeah, yeah. Take one for the team. Right there. <laughs> I didn't say it's a star in it. Maybe that's your your misunderstanding. But you need to build the build the app. Only pairs. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I understand. <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, did, uh, I, I want to go ahead and um, uh, well, actually, yeah, Giacomo, if you wanted to add anything on this, um, then yeah, uh, we've good. had a couple of people uh, who requested who've been hanging out for a bit. And I want to see if I can get their questions. 
Yeah, very quick. I will not shield Plan B integration again. I will do that tomorrow in another space at this time. But there are other uh, use cases that I would like to see. First example is a market. Uh, ma not many people know that uh, when Satoshi started off with Bitcoin, he also integrated in the first draft of the code a peer-to-peer -peer market of goods and services based on reputation. Then he realized that in order to have to pull off that, you also need basically storage for the for uh, all the market. Uh, data and you need a lot of, uh, of stuff that, that that goes beyond Bitcoin. So that never started. Some people tried to resurrect the idea with Open Bazaar, but then they became shit coiners, so it never went anyway uh, anywhere. Then now we have like uh, stuff like uh, CivKit and other attempts. It will be very cool to see. Uh, this uh, stack used for a peer-to-peer -peer market uh, where people can sell uh, goods and services, either physical based on reputation or an escrows, or even like uh, directly inside Bitcoin, like uh, selling liquidity for uh, for a channel, selling uh, shares for a mining pool, or uh, selling uh, liquidity for a joint market or stuff like that. The second possible use case is uh, I remember uh, that I was very excited about these uh, these uh, apps that allowed you to connect different chat protocols uh, all together merging identities like you know pigeon and stuff like that it was very very cool but it's very difficult to do because uh, for even from a legal point of view the server of this new app cannot download all your facebook messages or your email messages and keep it there so what you do is usually using api to connect uh, on the fly which is a terrible ux but with a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer technology, you can have probably a platform that can download all your Telegram and Twitter and WhatsApp messages, put in that, those in another place and allow you to follow all your conversation bridging across different platforms. Metrix is trying to do something like that, but it sucks because it's on the fly. Uh, but, but that would be very exciting. The third thing that I think would be very, very exciting is that even for Lightning and for Bitcoin right now, we, we really miss... Uh, a peer-to-peer -peer communication level which is incentive compatible. We have even just like with the problem of the spam in the mempool, the problem of dust, the problem of uh, uh, of uh, you know uh, the relay of uh, blocks. All these problems are based on the fact that we don't we have a payment system which is very incentive compatible, but we don't have a message sharing system on top of Bitcoin, which works very, very well. So I think that paradoxically, all these Bitcoin adjacent technology could actually end up fixing this, this base problem of Bitcoin. And the last use case that I would love to see, uh, so if you, this is very personal, very nerd, so probably nobody cares, but I will say that anyway. I started a few years ago to use stuff like Rome, Rome Research, like knowledge managers, stuff like that. I loved it, but it was like giving all my data to this guy. The guy is very, he's a, he's a nice guy, but still all my data. So I moved to something like Logseek. Logseek is, is, uh, is, uh, is on my server, but synchronizing across platform is very, very hard. So a Logseek version for uh, for parent time will be very very rad to see hell yeah hell yeah i actually switched from um rome to obsidian this episode is brought to you by CoinKite and the cold card hardware wallet you know they ask me how i take my bitcoin i always tell them ice cold if you don't have a cold card do you even have cold storage i heard you still had your coins on an exchange you little bitch, you don't own any coins. You have Coinbase credits subject to government approval. 
A real Bitcoiner has their own keys, secured by their cold card, and validated by their own node. If you have hope that your sad credit tokens will one day become Bitcoin, and you want to actually become a Bitcoiner, well, the easiest way to get a head start is to go ahead and get 9% off your cold card hardware wallet with my discount code, Bitcoin Audible, all one word. You should remember that one because it's the name of this podcast. And then, and only then, will you truly hold your Bitcoin. And if anybody wants it, they're going to have to pry your cold card from your cold, dead hands. And then they still won't even get it. Cold card. You can find my special link with a special discount and other special stuff in a special spot in today's super special show notes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I actually switched from um, Rome to Obsidian, which I can actually import and export like straight in from, from one to the other. There's just a few things that Obsidian doesn't do quite like Rome. Um, but no, I, I have the exact same, I've had the same like series of issues and going from platform or, or system to system with uh, the whole notes thing. Um, but LogSec is, uh, is definitely one that I looked into, um, ended up landing on Obsidian. High five to a fellow Obsidian user. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, um, uh, I've got a couple of out-of-band questions here, but um, I want to get to uh, a Luke um, here has requested. Let me, I think I'm in the wrong window here. Um, add a speaker. Here we go. Or Luca, excuse me. Luca. And we are connecting... Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, I've been using, I've been using iCloud to sync my obsidian, which it's like, it's the easiest solution. And after, oh, there he is. There he is. What's up, Luca? The traveling. So sorry if I lose like internet connection. Uh, question like for Matthias and David, like I know that they're not big fans of browsers and the long term, it doesn't like make much sense. But um, is it possible, like I've looked at the tech stack and uh, the hooks are in UDP, is it possible to have like um, a polymorphic implementation of uh, UDX native implementation for TCP? So we can use something like WebRTC in, uh, in the browser and have like um, real peer-to-peer connections. That's a good uh, technical question, Lucan. Thanks for it. Um, I don't think it's possible because you can't do it in the browser uh, because the, I don't want to get too technical, but the context switching overhead of sending a lot of small calls to those extension APIs will just kill your performance. We did a lot of stuff in the past measuring that, and it was abysmally slow and inefficient. Like we're talking um, hundreds of kilobytes of data per second when, when it's running, so really, really, really bad versus like uh, hundreds of megabytes or gigabytes uh, in the native layer. So, so uh, yeah, I'm really, really bearish on, on browsers. I think they're, they stop innovating and all they care about is milking uh, ad money. That's why all the browsers are made by ad companies or companies like that. And um, yeah, so I don't think it's realistic. Sorry, Luca, did you have something else to add as a follow-up? 
Ah, sorry, like guys, it just connected. Like I don't know if you even heard my heard my question. So. Uh, oh no, we did. Um, we did. Matthias got you. Um, the, there will be a recording after this if you didn't hear. It. Um, so so you'll be able to get the answer if you went. Sorry, sorry that the, it disconnected though. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, man. Another appreciate thing. for asking the question. Um, uh, and I'll uh, I'll send you the link. I'll try to save this here so that you uh, can catch it later. Sorry, David, you end something? Yeah, it's just a thing that I'm looking forward to with more apps potentially in the peer-to-peer space is the uh, no more um, asking about cookies because that, (laughs) damn. (laughs) 100%. Good God. You know, there's something there's something interesting about the whole browser thing, and also something that I think is related to why we centralized into platforms. Like as a general idea of how the internet progressed from kind of a bird's eye view, is it, it seemed obvious that like at the beginning we were like, oh, every business can have a storefront. And everybody can go to this website and go to the store, go to the business or go to the topic or the idea. And that's really kind of how it was focused. And then so all of the protocols and stuff were built around kind of framing information or framing some business or store or something in a particular way. And obviously, that's a huge part of the Internet. But then as time went on, the thing that we didn't build a protocol for, we didn't really build a proper frame for were people, were like an identity or a, a way to interact socially. And then yeah. as it became more wide, widespread, it turned out that really what everybody wanted to get on the internet was other people. Like they just yes. wanted to interact with people. So only centralized services basically solved that problem. They put mm-hmm. an identity on it and gave you a profile and now you can like and you can share stuff from one social mm-hmm. uh, graph to another social graph. But it was all owned because we'd never made it into a protocol. Yeah, we never actually also, fundamentally solved the problems. Sorry, to- totally. And it's because it's easier to. It's because it was easier to do it centralized at first, right? Uh, and also, like monetizing was was easier to reason about. But um, but not for the public. The public didn't didn't think about how their data was being monetized. The public, I think, just thought it was about advertising. Um, but I think uh, for me, it the thing about Oh, well, I think also it, the history of computing and so forth, you know, comes from filing systems and, and things like that, right? It's boxes, it's categories, and like people aren't that. They're organic, they're messy, um, flawed individuals. We all are. Uh, but like, I think if we, if we think, if we, if we accept that and then we build something that's like, you know, how can we, how can we make it so that people don't have to, to, to change themselves into, into different shapes to work with technology instead. So, this is what's always being said. Technology should work for us. And with the, with the ability to, you know, control your own data, technology is working for you. I do not. There's no way I could trust an AI that's centralized. How could I trust that? I don't, I don't trust that on so many levels. Um, uh, and if the AI hears this and wants to kill me, good, fine. Right? I guess at that point it's over, right? But like... <laughs> But having our own individual AIs, you can that's that's your own data that that only you can control, then that's fine. That's that's something that's exciting. 
You know, I want excitement about technology back. I don't, every time I, something's released, and it's like, oh, cool, that's great. Oh, well, but they take they take your floor plans as well. They just take that. Oh, and you can't just get it without that. No, you know, like why? <laughs> that's that's that doesn't excite me. You know. Yeah, it's so, always a context. It seems like the context is always like, I can give you this better feature or this better function if you trade me your control, if you trade mm-hmm, me visibility. Mm-hmm, and these are these are always at odds. So where you give more empowerment in the social scale or in the feature or in the function, you're actually taking the fundamental power, the fundamental control over that power from them while giving them the peace that they want. Um, and this is fundamentally removing, making kind of g- attacking a far lower layer, just at a, a purely the data layer of putting the control entirely back in the hands of the user. And then, okay, now how can we build all these features and functions so that it's all just built on top of the foundation where it's just yours. Um, and it's, it's incredibly powerful. It's, it's fascinating. Um, uh, and one of the things too, uh, I wanted to hit. I've got a couple of questions here. In oh, oh, we do have another uh, request. Anybody who wants to request, um, uh, let me know because I do have a couple of uh, very technical questions that some people have posted in uh, Keat um, that I'm trying to uh, bring up. But we've got Alex as well with a question. What is up? You are okay. connecting. I mean, oh yeah, what, I mean, and I need to drop off. But um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, just thanks the, for joining, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. But just talking to uh, speaking to what you and David were talking about about the foundation part, I think the 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 piece about the whole punch and pair runtime that people miss is that the foundation is built correctly, so everything else can come, and it, it's sort of like can a, a centralized system become decentralized? It's very difficult. So someone was commenting. I was just flipping through Twitter um, or X, and they said, "Well, anyone can technically run a relay." And I just replied, "Well, but they don't, because <laughs> that's not the way it works, right?" With if you let's just say you download Damas and the relay is in there and you're running it, then it's good, and that's basically what well Keat is, right? You download Keat you have you're a peer like you're basically running your own relay so i think that the difference there is it's not an option you are a peer from the start it's not that you can become a super peer or or whatever you want to call that down the road so the you're, you're just starting on the right foot right off the bat and there's no need to change something else so i'll, I'll leave that as my final piece of wisdom and, and <laughs> insight yeah. we're all peers man Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, Samson, seriously, thank you for joining. Um, and, uh, same thing too, is that the, I completely agree on that in that context of like the client and the the quote unquote relay is the same. Like it's just, you're you're both like every instance of it is the entirety of it. (laughs) Um, and I was talking with Pablo actually the other day, we chatted for about an hour about all this stuff because he's building a ton of stuff with Noster and, um, uh, one of the things that he said, because I've been in this kind of mindset of like Noster versus hole punch and like which one's going to work or which one's going to solve the problem. And I brought this up in the Noster Wallet Connect episode that we did recently on the show. Um, and I think it's like an episode back or two episodes back. And he had listened to it and he was like, I was, scre- I was screaming at you the whole time that I was listening. And he said that the, the key thing is that Noster is not, the relay system isn't actually attached to Noster. The relay system is just kind of how Noster is being communicated right now. But the 
all the all the nips, all the the formatting of the social stuff can literally be put on top of any data layer, really. So mm-hmm. he made the argument, which it was interesting to me. I was like, I, I, that I didn't immediately think of this as well, but he made the argument that there's not really any reason why you couldn't have a everything run on Noster pr- practically the same way on a client that is just pair-based. And you'd, obviously, you'd have to have a bridge to connect them together, which would be a, you know, a relay going from pair to the relay system. But otherwise, you could still have all of the same functionalities just on top of pair and connect to people peer to peer. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. I think there is a way to tap into that and yeah, yeah, strengthen. I also think this is a, this is a great part of what I was saying about the shelling uh, the shelling point. If we can manage to have a Nostra bridge built on top of the uh, parent time, that would be a great way to reuse the community effort and the community, uh, let's say, consensus. That would be really yeah. great. And Matthew, yeah, yeah. one week. <laughs> um, all right, so we got Alex okay. in. Okay, I'm going to drop now. Thanks, guys. Yeah, man. Appreciate right. it, dude. Thanks, man. Alex, what is up? Hello, thank you. Thank you very much for getting me up here. My name is Alex. Can I go up? Yeah, you're good to go. What you got? You got a question? Yeah, I have one or two questions to ask. Go ahead. Okay, my first question is how does whole punch maintain maintain connection, connection stability and reliability, especially in dynamic network environments where IP addresses may change frequently? That sounds like a question for me. Um, That's a really good question. Uh, It's actually uh, pretty simple because we only uh, use UDP underneath, so there's no connections actually at the network level. So there's UDP messages. And your addresses, the way you connect to people in the whole punch stack, you know, using Hypercore and using Hyperswarm and Hyperdrive and all, all our whole Hyper stack, which we developed uh, and uh, gave away for free, uh, <clears throat> it's all using public keys. So your identifier is actually not tied to cell towers or connectivity, it's just tied to public keys. So as your route to another person changes, which they do when you move around you, with your phone, um, as long as you communicate that in the protocol, which happens underneath, the, the 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 streams don't care as long as they the data arrive they can verify the encryption and, and it's all good and um, like I mentioned earlier this is all very complex and it's very intense and the only thing that bubbles up to the user in the runtime is there is an API that's called read where you get a message and there's an API called write when you can send a message so it has this really nice simplicity uh, where you don't need to worry about it which is our goal in life. Sweet. Uh, Alex, did you have a second question to follow that up? Yes, let me go for my second question. Am I audible? Yeah, man. Okay, what security measure does whole punch implement to ensure that peer-to-peer connections remain secure and resistant to malicious attack? That's a good question. Who wants to take that one? Sorry, just <laughs> aggressively clicking the wrong buttons, not trying to dodge the question. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. Um, we use uh, a ton of different uh, um, 
uh, encryption stuff. Obviously, because the, there's like a different concerns for different things. Uh, we use extensive, and this is all open source, and you can check out our, our stack on, um, on our GitHub for punch too. Uh, all the, the hyper stack is there, is what we, we use for all this. But we're big fans of uh, Lipsodium, and we have donated to Lipsodium in the past also, and continue to support it in every way we can. And we use tons of primitives from that. It's a really, really solid library with very, very good encryption primitives. And we use those primitives to ensure that all your <clears throat> connections when you're speaking uh, through connections, like connecting to another person, are encrypted. Uh, we don't have any need for like authentication in those connections because again, everything is key based. So like, there's no interception. There's not like a host name you can intercept. Uh, the encryption is all pre-exchanged because you just connect to, to key pairs. So that makes everything it's extremely simple and it's really really powerful because it's just like security per default. Um, so we use the 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 streaming cipher encryptions from that uh, and uh, the noise protocol, uh, which is a very, very solid protocol for doing key exchange. Uh, in the streams, we use ED25519 for uh, verifying hypercore data, and that's all backed by Merkle trees. And there's tons of stuff, and that's all in the GitHub. But uh, basically, if there's an API in Epsodium, we probably use it, and we use it to uh, encrypt and ensure the data. And I would, I would, I would check that out. Uh, and if you have any questions, because this is obviously not something that's just answerable and 30 seconds on a, on a Twitter space in depth. Uh, feel free to join the Pair community chat on on, on Keyt. Um, link is on pairs.com there in the docs. Um, I'm happy to dive into anything with you there and share all the links. Sweet. Alex, thank you for uh, the questions, man. Appreciate it. Uh, oh, whoops. Sorry about that. I, I booted you a little too quick. Um, but uh, I had a... Uh, uh, had a question here and this is the DHT is usually the answer to this, but I wanted to get like a little bit more in depth because this is one of the out of band, out of band questions we have here from Keith says, how do you find peers? And for example, in a peer to peer Uber, how do you find peers in your area? Um, uh, as an example, how does, how does this find other people? We should have some more runtime questions so David can answer all the questions because this is all Matthias' questions. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I get all the boring questions that are really not interesting. Like, sorry, questions are good, but the answers are boring because it's technical. Uh, but anyways, um, the question is actually that there is no real true answer to that because it depends on the context. The DST is, is there for facilitating um, to a degree, peer discovery, but like at a technical level. So it's kind of like saying you can you can find peers in a topic where it, a topic is like a pre-exchanged string of sorts. So for example, just to give a little bit more context to that in, in Keith, the topic is the the hash of the, the, the first person who joined the room, the room creator. That's, the, that's like the thing you have exchanged that you all know in the room, they all have it. So you can use this to find people, other people sharing the chat, um, which is really simple. That's not like based on you know closeness or geographicalness. That's just like saying I can find some peers here, uh, and then the DST just helps facilitate that and actually connecting people. So during during the knowledge parts of exchanging the messages, you need to uh, connect people and then facilitate that. And that's that's really powerful and solid technology. And that's the uh, thing David was referring to earlier called Kademia. Um Then um, if you want to do more let's say social discovery, which I think is what you're looking for, like location-based or uh, people who like trees or whatever. That's all stuff you should express in data structures. Um, and uh, we have a ton of premise for that, like uh, um, 
Hyper-B and and Autobase for, for producing these. And that's that's how that's how I would structure that. So you can kind of just have people add that information and, and then mix it and just make it discoverable and you can kind of choose who you share this this data with. Um and that's 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 kind of like because now you're moving from the level of like technical discovery to more social discovery, and obviously a PHP protocol can't express that social intent. Uh, that's up up to you. And uh, then if you do that, you will probably make a little library and you will share it with everybody, so everybody can do it and stuff. So yeah, that's the that's the like the sorry for being an unanswer, but like that's the real answer to the question. Um, I, I wanted to ask something to Dave specifically about pair runtime because when I was watching one of the videos, I've already watched through everything on the YouTube. <laughs> um, and one of the videos, I think it was the second or third of the, the series. Um, uh, something hit me because I was, I was, I was having a hard time trying to put, put a picture in my head as to what, where exactly this sat in the whole thing as well. Um, but that when the project that, uh, hope and I are working on, he, you know, pushes everything to GitHub and then I, you know, commit, push, whatever, and I, I'll pull from that, and I have to have my login and all that good stuff um, uh, to get it all to work. And what struck me when I was watching the video was how when you staged a new version of the app and then seeded it, like it, it was basically just, like it was skipping that step. So yeah. maybe the question would be, what exactly is pair runtime replacing is this a replacement for, is this, is this kind of GitHub without a centralized thing? Is this a bit like, you think about this as like a, you know, you have like brew install or whatever in my terminal? Like, like where does this sit exactly? Uh, sort of somewhere around there, but somewhere else as well. Um, when you brought up the videos, I thought you were going to be like, and there's this glitch at, at three minutes and two seconds. <laughs> while I've been doing this, I've also, while we've been doing the release and stuff, I've also been helping with the, edit, the video stuff because I had to redo the screencast. So I'm traumatized by that. <laughs> um, the Yeah. Um, so there's there's a few things here, right? Like one of them is I don't know if we uh, did we release this, Matthias, the the Git protocol thing, because uh, you can uh, also we did not release it, but it's also something we should release. So it's, it's fine to talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm okay to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll release this at some point. Uh, but uh, that you know, you can just install this thing, and then uh, you can use Git with uh, pair. Uh, URLs, so uh, you can just do like total P2P Git, and then uh, you could. That, that's another use case. You could then just build a visual app with Pair, like you know, a Pair desktop app uh, that that uh, you know provides the the pull request kind of functionality. You know, use Autobase to do that probably, right? And then um, and then you've got those two things together. So you probably make it so that you would install the app, and then that app would just like install the Git protocol uh, thing uh, for you. And then you could just use Git with pair and have a, a P2P app that uh, it has all of the GitHub functionality. It wouldn't take that very long to do. Um, so so pair is, pair is the facilitator of these things. Yeah, gotcha, just, gotcha. Just, yeah. Just, just to add a few things here, because it's actually, you're, you're touching on a very interesting point, Guy, because, um, Pair runtime, like I said, and maybe this could be a little bit confusing if you're if you're if you're thinking about it, but it's, it's it's it is kind of like an OS where it's like 
the, the peer-to-peer aspects it's giving you is the delivery and and um, a few APIs to interact with your system, but it's basically like booting apps and delivering apps and staging apps and making sure that's super sound and easy and 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 straightforward um, and with no infrastructure and all this stuff. And then you know that you deliver can be any kind of app, but that's where the peer-to-peerness again comes in because then you use the modules in the app to make your actual peer-to-peer thing. So it's not like those are running on the runtime. That's just just you know deliver a new app like anything anything else that makes it really flexible. The thing I really like about the runtime. It's actually that flow you just described because we use that in, intensely at Whole Punch, where we make you know builds of Keyt twenty four seven testing out new features, and instead of pushing all those builds to GitHub and having our QA team or testers or people who just want to get feedback from having to pull that and build it, and it's going wrong all the time and permissions and who knows what, we're just we're just distributing you know making tons of different apps for keys, and they're just running those keys and they're testing it and giving us the feedback because it takes away that really annoying technical step in between that is not needed. So it makes it really, really easy for, for just like content delivery, which I think is actually a huge part of the iteration process. And um, just to, takes away all the nonsense of that. That's that's just really, really, really good, I think. Yeah. Have we talked about sparse replication yet, by the way? I don't think we have. Uh, uh, we have too much stuff yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's related to something else I wanted to ask on that exact topic. And, and we're probably running a little bit low on time, but, um, oh, and we got, uh, actually, let me, let me get a, a Serapath, um, here, um, since we got a request, I'll prioritize their question. Here we go. Uh, add as a speaker, connecting, connecting. Yeah. But w- one of my things was just about like, how does, is it purely from, um, my side, like if I'm a cedar or whatever, if somebody else downloads that, are they automatically a seeder, or is that um, something that you have to do in the pair of uh, commands? Everybody, everybody who has the app can see the app. So if they're if you're discoverable somehow, you will see the app. And then the seed command is explicitly I want to tell the DST that I am actively want people to get it from me. But for example, if I have ten apps and you have ten apps. Uh, as long as we have a path to each other, that then you can, if you know the key, obviously you can get those apps. The key is the the access point of this. That's very important. Um, and um, anybody who's running that while the app is running is also seeding it. So it's kind of like the, it's like this very nice network effect of peer to peer, where uh, um, usage more users the better. And the hardest thing, it's kind of ironically the, when you only have two people, because then that's that makes it a little bit iffy, and that's that's where. We have a third peer always at Hopeons that just tends to 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 help bootstrap it. So if, if there's always one peer online, um, but it's almost never doing anything. So like that's kind of like the idea, um, like a constant yeah. mirror. Yeah, yeah, just for the you know for the first guy, and then the network kind of takes over. Like the you know it's kind of like a chain reaction where you need the <laughs> you need the, the first article, the uranium to blow the bomb. So it's kind of like you know, <laughs> yeah. but you don't need that. It's just like that makes the convenience go up a little bit. Uh, and you can even use the blind mirrors for that. Uh, we probably want to expose that also soon. So um, point being, it's like it's just taking away the friction, especially for people who are not technical, I think, because it just takes away all this, this silliness of, of distributing builds. And now I'll let Serapath ask a question. Yeah, yeah, well, Serapath, what's up, man? Oop, can you hear me? All right, well, uh, 
uh, just uh, give it a second there. Um, oh, oh, no, here we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up? What's your question, man? Can you hear me? Can you not hear me? Just give it a second there. Oh, no, here we go. It's super delayed. Oh, it's, it's kind of delayed, I don't know. Okay, yeah, it's crazy delayed. Question, anyway. uh, hopefully it works. Um, um, when it comes to the Git stuff, I was just wondering, will that be some sort of an interface API, or is it actually implementing the whole, like everything about Git? Or, or because it seems it might overlap with Hyperdrive or the pairs and Hypercore stuff. So I wonder how is that exactly going to work? Yeah, uh, that's I can answer the question. How, how is that implemented? I can answer that just quickly because it's just something David threw out. But it's basically just one of our guys spend a day implementing the Git protocol with this one. As you do with peer to peer developers, they just do stuff. Uh, so it's just, it just means that the Git tool can speak pair links so you can push and pull from things. It's not really a replacement for anything on our stack. It's just like, why not? Because then you can run a Git repository any way you want. Um, and it's like, you know, like anything else, good peer-to-peer, it's like 100 lines of code. Uh, somebody just threw together, and then we forgot about it, and because uh, we just moved on. <laughs> totally it's it's organic. Good. It's organic. Yeah. We have a lot of, a lot of work at Hope Punch, you'll notice there's like a lot of very fun organized chaos where people just do things like that, and then um, somehow, sometimes it just ends up being, oh, that's like the most important thing we did in the last year and stuff. So that's 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 really cool. But um, but yeah, so it's not a replacement for anything. It's just yet another thing you can just easily do with peer-to-peer. It's really, really fun. Uh, and then with the pair runtime, you could distribute those. Um, if you wanted to run a little Git server in your in your office, you could just run that with the runtime because, again, the runtime is just really, 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 really good at distributing apps. A uh, quick question, Matthias. Um... Uh, on the the whole just pair seed and then you have the key so when when you do that from your side and you're seeding the new version of an app and then let's say you send me the link or you send me the key to that if i say pair seed that same thing am i is my computer literally just reaching out to the network downloading the whole thing and then being a seeder like is that all i need to do or is that more of a i've updated the app and now i'm seeding it like, is that the same command to duplicate and then to announce a new one? Uh, yeah, it's actually it's interesting you bring this up because I can see how it's a little bit confusing now. It's even simpler than that because when you're staging the app and you're calling, if you we have a release command in there to explicitly mark something that's released, which is useful when you're um, releasing so you can you don't accidentally release something, but it's like a pointer you move. Anyways, getting ahead of myself. Um, when you're... Re- Staging it, that's it. You're done. Like it's already seeded to a degree. Like it's 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 in the P2P data structure. If somebody discovers that P2P data structure, they can get it. Uh, again, they need the key. That's the permission model. If they don't have the key, they can't. The they can, if they can't, don't prove they have the key. You can't get it. Um, that's super simple. The only thing the seed command does, and, and you're making me think now we should rename it because I just said seed many times without actually referring to the seed command. So that's, that's not good. But the only thing that command actually does is it just tells the DHT, hey, I'm online. So if you're looking for this one, you can talk to me. Um, but as soon as, uh, if you and I were all reconnected, like for example, we were using um, uh, another app together, they would already have found that path to you. So it's just kind of like helping the network um, being, being a little bit manual. 
Okay, so it's it's kind of like just announcing. It would be the equivalent of sort of or pseudo announcing your torrent metadata out on the Pirate Bay or something like that. But it's just in the connection DHT. It's in the connection table rather than some centralized website or something. It's just oh, making yeah. it easy to find. And now that we talked about this, uh, it's making me realize that we should just automatically do that when you stage for a little bit because then it's much more organic and then we can probably just kill that command. So that's a, it's a very productive Twitter space. So thanks for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Bitcoin Safari. How, how are we on time, by the way? Um, uh, can we keep taking on questions? Like we can do Bitcoin Safari, but should this be the last question or do we want to keep rolling uh, I, for I another to, little bit? Yeah, I could. I could. Yeah, I, I have to go into. I can go. I have to, sorry, I have to go in five minutes. But if David is around, he, he can proxy me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me. All right. Well, I, I could do another five and then another fifteen, maybe. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. Let's uh. Let's go to Bitcoin Safari. Uh. What is up? Uh. Connecting takes a second here. Um. Get that question, and we'll see. We'll see where we are after this. <clears throat> We had a, a good one on one or the other. Yeah, hey, hey, how's it going? We attend of the peer runtime. My question is, what does it all about? Because I've been late to attend, I mean to join. I just saw the link from my kid, and then I said, let me join so that I can. <laughs> all right, um, well, uh, I guess um, we can answer this question really quick, but just so you know, we will have a recording after this so you can actually catch up and listen to the beginning and everything and the introduction and everything. But um, uh, maybe Dave, Matthias, Giacomo, anybody want to take that and just do like a short summary? <sighs> <laughs> I think uh, the short summary is it's a universal powerful peer-to-peer -peer runtime that can run any app, anywhere, desktop mobile, embedded systems, JavaScript, fully peer-to-peer, all you need no is infrastructure costs. All you need to install Keith, then you get it, and then uh, watch the videos of David on docs.pairs.com and pairs.com, and you can start uh, putting the Bitcoin Safari on the P2P network. Yeah, probably if I had to simplify it as quickly as quickly as I could, is you can build an app and you can stick it on a server or a website or GitHub or whatever it is and let people download it and do it all on the normal web. Or now with Pair Runtime, you can make an app and you can just, you're automatically seeding it right from your computer and then you can give anybody a key and they can get it that way. You don't need a server, you don't need a website, you don't need, a, you don't need some central okay. thing like yeah. organizing it or telling you whether or not they can download it or if they have the proper account, just give them the key, they can get it straight from you. And you don't have to have 100% uptime either because yes. as long as you're seeding the latest, change, like you can go offline, you can, stay, you can stage while you're seeding anyway, but you can take the seeder down, you can stage, and then you can seed again and nothing will happen to the user's apps because the, up, the update will come when they get a connection. It's just that they can't get updates if you don't seed. Yeah, one of the really crazy things is getting a keep update over keep. <laughs> like just having your little like update thing and then it resets and you're just you have all the new stuff. And it's like right when Matthias is like done with it. 
and yeah, you know, we're in like a key chat and he's like, yeah, I finished the thing and, and here it is or whatever. And then I get a little update thing in my, the top corner. I'm like, all right, well, there it is. This is the new, this is the new version. Yeah. The cool, the cool thing about that as well is that you already have the update when it tells you you have an update as in you're just restarting with the update. So it downloads, it's downloading in the background. That's awesome. And when David <laughs> says, says downloading here, it's just cause it's like, that's, we spent so many years getting this sparseness right. It's just getting the minimal diff. So it's like, yeah, any update is basically just like five kilobytes or whatever. It's like tiny. Yeah, that's that's the other other super cool thing about this as well is like you can you can create an app and put like terabytes of videos in there or whatever or anything. Um, but until the user actually tries to play that media they're not going to be, you would need to be seeding for this, of course, then they're not going to be downloading that. And so if they skip, if you skip to the middle of a video, then it really feels like you're playing low from local because like it just, it just immediately range seeks to that point. There's no, no other dancing around. Um, so it's, yeah, like the, the sparse replication aspect is really interesting. You only, you only need to download what you need when you need it and then, then you keep it. So, Guy, a very compact uh, catchphrase to summarize all of this would be unstoppable applications. But I think somebody already used that some years ago. I don't remember who, but yeah, I have to chat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Bitcoin Safari. Um, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll add you to the list for the links I got to send out. So for the um, if you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, I'll make sure to tag you or, or send you a DM or something. Right, do we have anybody else from the group? I do have still a couple other um, out-of-band questions. Anybody else from the group, group who wants to uh, jump up? Um, one of the questions that I have over here is, where is data persisted? Um, and obviously data persistence is the problem of peer-to-peer. Um, mm -hmm. and one of the things, and this is something that has come up in Keat a lot, which I know y'all have like a really clever way of doing, uh, of helping this with the file system is more explicit things come for, uh, like one of the beauty of having a, not a client server relationship, but like everybody is a peer is that you can leverage it exactly like you kind of see the dynamics of what could be because we've had an incredibly, um, successful peer to peer protocol. BitTorrent that mm -hmm. had its era and then you know declined with the birth of streaming, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, anyone can be a power seeder if they want mm -hmm. to kind of bootstrap, act like a server without any of the frustrations or setup or yeah. complications of a server. It's actually only um, one command. You just run pair seed, and then the key you want to reseed. So just, okay, of pair okay. Run the key. You just pair seed the, the key. Oh and you're immediately reseeding. Okay, question then about how this relates to Keat. Do each does each room have a key, and is that something where I can actually use pair on some other app or I mean, excuse me, some other device, and I can see like a specific room or something? Like, how, how does that relate? Ooh, so it's a little question. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more complicated for Keat because it's yeah. many, 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 many people um, sharing. So okay. it's not like one big. That's just a technical blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, that should totally be doable and it's going to be doable in the future. Um, but actually, I've just I think something that's really important to understand here, and we talked about this a little bit, 
and also kind of relates into the previous discussion about like why not just relay one thing and i'm just going to say it again one thing you, you got to remember about peer-to-peer -peer is that the hardest thing in peer-to-peer -peer is when you're two people and that's why files right now is a little bit iffy and key because it's usually two people in the beginning that's the hardest thing in peer-to-peer -peer. when you're a thousand people it's really easy but when you're two people it's really hard because if one of them goes away the network is like 50 percent done so in a, in a centralized system, it's the opposite true. It's very, very easy when you're two people. It's very, very hard when you're a thousand people. So the only thing you need in peer-to-peer, -peer, the hardest thing you have to overcome, and that's what we're doing in Keith with the, with the blind mirroring, is like have a way where you, know, you can help those two people just hold their data a little bit. So somebody in the network can be like, I can't read this data, it's encrypted, but I'll help you just you know, to spark this chain reaction so the data gets distributed in case one of you goes offline. That's totally the same thing we should do for files. We just haven't done it yet <laughs> because we've had so much stuff to do. Um, and that's what we're gonna do. And then files are gonna work the same way as Keep does today where um, it just always works for messages. Uh, if you've been around for the alpha days, you remember that was kind of like the same problem in the alpha days for Keep where you write a message and nobody will see it because you were only two people. Uh, same thing for files right now in Keep because we haven't enabled this and we've been too busy with the runtime and identities, but that's like the highest thing on my radar next. And then. Uh, we just enable the same algorithm and it's fine. Um, so, so, so that's just to understand the problem. It's like it's like the reverse problem. You just need to solve the bootstrap. So even so, so even if you were marrying that guy, I wouldn't even call the power seeder because the power part is kind of silly. It's just like emergency seeder. It's like the person you talk to when nobody else can get it, and ninety nine percent of cases you can get it from anybody else. But because of statistics, if that one percent is there, like if it's a bootstrap loop. That, that matters a lot because you need to bootstrap this process. So yes, yeah, kind of like that's how the blind mirroring works in key. It's like the person you talk to when you can't talk to anybody else. And that's, that should be the same thing here. And like, again, all blind mirror data, anybody can do it. Super simple protocol. I don't know if we open source that yet, but we're definitely going to open source that because it's, it's like, um, it's really powerful for everybody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's awesome. The, the file thing is going to be, really exciting because it, just because you can kind of leverage that I've, I've been shocked at how well messages come through even when you know my my wife it's it's funny one of the one of the other things i talk about like the metric or the the totem i use for like whether or not this is going to work uh, was how quickly and easily could my uh, sister-in-law handle it um uh, or was it going to be frustrating for her a another thing that I, I thought was really funny the other day is uh i have my wife on it and like that's where we do um our main little like fam group chat now and uh she uh i i asked her about it just yesterday because we've been using it for a while and i asked her about it and like you know have you been enjoying it have has it been working or whatever and she says you know i'm a little annoyed because like one out of every 10 notifications like i don't get and it was hilarious that I was like, I was like, that's beautiful. That's absolutely amazing that we're at, that we're at the point in an entirely peer to peer thing where she's in like one room with like me and like my sister-in-law. It's like, it's like two or three people. Like it's just like a couple of peers. And the, the, her, her frustration is that like a few of the notifications don't yeah. show up. <laughs> She'll show up immediately. Yeah. And it's like, oh my we God. Oh my God. We see, we did she it. Does, <laughs> she doesn't know the pain we've been through. That's yeah, like, man. That's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> it's really funny you say that, guy, because I, I literally looked at a commit today that was like fixed, you know, notifications failing one out of 10 times. Kind of like, 
almost verbatim that so oh <laughs> wow that's her. funny that's funny <laughs> you, can, you can tell her it's like fixed very soon awesome awesome all right well um uh maybe this this is a good time to wrap it up then uh let's do let's do final thoughts uh Giacomo, we haven't heard from you in a bit um and uh and wrap this thing up very excited to do this, to see this uh taking shape uh, I already tried out Kit uh, a little bit, but I look forward to try the first uh, third-party apps built on the on the peer runtime uh, open-source uh, infrastructure. Really looking forward, and uh, especially I will be I will be very focused on any kind of interaction between uh, uh, between this stack and Bitcoin, and this stack and all the other Bitcoin adjacent uh, freedom tech. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, man. Um, uh, Dave, let's jump to you. Oh, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, pair on. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Matthias. Uh, thanks, for, uh, as always, for moderating, Guy. You're awesome. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing for Keith. We appreciate it. Uh, we love all your work. And um, uh, I just saw and uh, uh, I chat with my guys now <laughs> they managed to hook up the Twitter spaces into the runtime so so maybe next time we can live stream it on on, on pair radio so so that's, that's the power of peer-to-peer -peer. awesome dude thank you man thank you for okay. letting me host yeah um, alright with that uh, we will wrap this up pair runtime has launched Congratulations, literally, literally congratulations, guys. This is, this is awesome. Okay. And I know just chatting with uh, uh, the dev I've been working with, um, it's funny how many comments, like I'll, I'll just be like, like late last night, he had a com comment and he was like, oh my God, this solves so many of the frustrations of a thing that I was trying to do with this. And I'm just like, I'm just like giddy and I'm like having a hard time going to sleep. Um, so congratulations on this. It's, it's really exciting stuff. Um, cool, man. Yeah, I think the, the future of... Both Bitcoin, like I think this is going to be huge for Bitcoin as well. Uh, Lightning, like these peer-to-peer -peer apps, like getting Lightning apps and Bitcoin wallets to connect to each other without some centralized server. Like it just, there's so many possibilities here. Um, so everybody go check this out, pairs.com. And that is plural. Um, uh, I had a couple people go to pair.com and it almost even looks similar. It's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. weird. No, we know. Um, <laughs> But pairs.com, check it out, and I'll have the link um, when this is posted on Bitcoin Audible uh, to basically everything I can find, the YouTube channel and everything in the description. Um, but yeah, start exploring, start building, be a pair. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. Mahatma Gandhi